Hey everyone, this is the Just Grace It podcast with Brian and Becky Ross. Our hope for our podcast is that it teaches and encourages you both to learn about and apply grace to the everyday situations of life. So on today's podcast, we have something fun that we haven't had before. This is only our third one. Yeah, (laughs) I'm talking like we've had so many. Um, It is only our third podcast, but we have received a listener question about something that we were talking about last week. Um, Last week's podcast was about our title, Just Grace It, and how Brian came up with that slogan as part of our new church um, when we started our church back in... Well, you came up with that back in 2009. No, excuse me. We were working on hay in the barn, and I'm a little bit... Yeah, my allergies going here a little bit, so I apologize for that. We both do. When you're moving hay, it's... We had to move hay. So this is a day in the life. We had already recorded this podcast while we were waiting for our son, who's taking driver's training, to get done with his driving lesson. He had an hour driving lesson. It's Sunday evening. And in our schedule this week, this is the night that we have time to do this. So we kind of are having to do a bunch of other things. And then we also found out that our hay is coming to be delivered tomorrow. So we had to move some stuff around in the barn. For those of you who don't know, um... I, we have two horses, um, and you have to feed them, obviously, and so we have hay being delivered tomorrow, so we are moving hay. So if you hear us coughing or clearing our throats a lot, that's why. The hay is really dusty, and it kind of bothers both of us, but... Yeah, so to your question, I first said that in 2008, and then we made that website, justgraceit.com, as a kind of a promotional thing to promote our new church and our community um and then obviously it's kind of my email is brian at justgraceit.com and so it's kind of just stuck around and been something that comes up periodically and so we're sort of breathing new life into it i guess yeah uh, with the podcast and so we were talking about that topic last week and applying the just grace it attitude or method I don't know if it's really a method but just an attitude of grace to everyday life situations that's what the podcast is about and last week we were talking about is it okay to read authors or listen to other podcasts that I shouldn't say other podcasts. Of course it's okay for you to listen to other podcasts. No, they can only listen to ours. <laughs> that sounded only, really it's the bad. Only one they're allowed to listen to. <laughs> That's not what I meant. Um, to listen to podcasts of people or speakers or sermons or what have you of people who may not be in the same and I'm gonna use Brian's phrase, the yes. same theological airspace as you. So it's a great it's a great phrase. It's going to be trademarked. Somebody wrote me and told me I needed to trademark it. <laughs> so, based on that, 
we had a listener question, so we're going to dive into that in a second. I do want to say that if you have a question about something that we're talking about, um, for now, is it okay if I just have them email you at Brian well, yeah. at Just Grace It? So if you email us a question or you have a question, you can email it to Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, at justgraceit.com and that is his email and he will get your question and I can't promise that every question is going to be on the podcast but we will certainly use them as they coincide with the topics that we they could also reach out to you if they wanted on messenger or something if they're friends with you yeah if you if if you I don't have a public Facebook page, and I am working on... I tried to create an Instagram page for the podcast, and it wanted all kinds of weird information. Like, it was assuming that we were a business, and we're not really a business. So, I will have to figure that out. So, for now... <clears throat> are, we, are we a charity? Can we take money? Um, No, we're oh, okay. not a charity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, for now... If you have a question, you can email Brian and me, but it'll go to Brian's email at, you'll email Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, at justgraceit.com. So, there. Um, So, today, we're going to read the listener question, and we're not going to mention the person's name. Yeah, they asked to remain anonymous. They asked to remain anonymous, and they mention in their question a specific author that's a pretty popular Christian author and a specific pretty popular Christian music group, and we're not going to mention those names on the podcast. Either, not because we're trying to hide anything, but we just... That's not the point of the podcast right now, is to mention names. So why don't you go ahead and read the question? Okay, so this question came in, and again, it says, My problem with resources such as, mentions a popular Christian music group, and then a popular Christian author, like Becky just said. For example, are those kinds of worldly influences are what drove me to spiritual frustration, disillusionment, confusion, and bankruptcy in our previous church. I don't know how to think graciously about purposefully exposing myself to things that are overtly ecumenical anymore, let alone express myself graciously when I am confronted with the idea of using those things as if they're perfectly safe and okay. I realize it's next to impossible to avoid all of it, but much of it can be, and I would hope should be. Besides that, I'm not sure I can count on myself to rely too heavily on my discernment when my discernment hasn't always been terribly accurate. I'm not sure you understand where I'm coming from, but if you get what I'm trying to say, maybe you can give me some advice on how to move forward without thinking I'm going back to where I escaped from. So that's that's the the question and then we thought that we would just discuss that a little bit and hopefully you know help this person this listener out but also maybe 
help out, you know, some of you other listeners who may be wondering like how, what is the best way to use discernment or, you know, what does that look like? Um, you know, how does that work? How does applying grace to the topic of what you're listening to and what you're reading, even if you may not agree with that person, how does that work in a practical sense? Yeah, so um, I guess the first thing is kind of just to talk a little bit about this word discernment. So if you do a search, um, I, I like, just as a recommendation, I like Blue Letter Bible. I do too. It's free. Uh, there's an app for it. There's a lot of cool search features and whatever that you can do. But um, just if you search it, um, a form of the word discern occurs 23 times in the Bible. So when we're talking about discernment, this is a biblical word. It's a biblical concept. Um, so some examples are the like it, the word discerned, the word, just the word discern. Um, and you can do a search, you know, on your own. Um, another one would be discerneth. If, um, if you're using King James, it'll have the F in there. And we were, I'm going to be honest, we use, we're coming... We use the King James, so yeah. that's what we're using, but it might be different if you're using something else. Uh, the Bible uses the word discerning with the I-N-G, like present tense, discerner. So there's, it's a Bible concept. The idea of discernment is the idea. Do you want us to say what you looked at when you looked at the meaning of the word? So, yeah, so when we, Brian shared this question with me, and I wanted to look, I'm, this I don't know if you guys ever have this, but this word discern or discernment has come up for me a lot in the last week to 10 days or so. It's come up in conversations. It's come up in, you know, the podcast that we did last week. Um, just several different conversations with different people that were completely unrelated. This word discernment kept or, and discerning kept popping up. So, and then obviously we got this listener question. So I was really curious to look more deeply into what does this word mean? And when I looked it up and you can, the cool thing about Blue Letter Bible app is you can search the word and then you can go to all the different verses that it appears in and then you can hover your finger over that verse and I'm sure it's different if you're on a computer. I just do it on my phone. But then it'll pull up the Strong's Concordance. And then you can scroll down until you find the word. And then you can click on that word and it'll tell you what that word means. And it means to judge. Or the act of judging. So when you're using your discernment... It's talking about you're, you're judging something or you're in the act of judging something. And usually when you're judging something, you're doing it on the basis of, like you have a standard that you're doing yeah. it against. Right. So the standard would be... <clears throat> the standard here would be God's word. It'd be, yeah, it'd be God's word. It'd be sound doctrine. So for example, in First Timothy 1, Paul writes to Timothy and he talks about you know, if there's anything in First Timothy one ten, he talks about 
if there's anything that is contrary to sound doctrine. So Timothy is to judge, he's to discern what's in line with sound doctrine and what's not. And, you know, the idea of judging really kind of gets a bad rap in the world for sure. And even sometimes within, you know, within, you know, the church, if if I could say it that way. But Paul also says other places, you know, that he that is spiritual judges all things. So we are constantly making discernments or judgments. And that's really where um, judging is supposed to take place. Right, exactly. Is in a, if you're a believer, you're judging, you're judging spiritual things. You're, you're, you're supposed to, you know, take in information, you know, situations or whatever, and then make judgment calls on those things based on what you know to be true in God's word. Right. So now I'm hearing a song or I'm reading another book and I'm thinking about what I'm hearing and I'm judging it, I'm discerning it based upon sound doctrine. And, you know, you you could have probably at least three outcomes, right? Like you could judge it and in judging it against the standard of God's word, you say, this is all good. This is we're okay here. We're on, we're on good footing. We're on good ground here. You could say, this is terrible. This is totally off the mark. This is totally missing, um, on the standard of God's word. And so I'm going to discard this. And then other times you're going to encounter things where when you judge it, what's being said in a song or in a book where some of it is good or sound and some of it's not. And you don't, and our point last time was that you don't have to just chuck the whole thing you don't you don't need to you know get rid of the sound stuff just because there was some unsound stuff in that when you're applying the principle of discernment and you're judging that song or that book based up or sermon or whatever based upon the standard of god's word yeah so i think to her question she, if I'm understanding her correctly, she's, this listener is struggling with some things that happened in the past. And yeah. so that makes it difficult for her, you know, now that she's gained some knowledge and more understanding of scripture and she's a little bit more aware of certain things, it makes it more difficult for her than to listen to things or read things that are not completely in line with what she now understands to be true. Yeah. And I think, I think my encouragement, I think, well, let me say it this way. One of the things that I would say is you have to know yourself and you have to know what you are capable of and willing to let in to your mind. Yeah. You know, and if you don't feel like you're you are very good at discerning things, that's certainly a skill to be learned, mm-hmm. but I also think you know there was a phrase in there about I don't I can't, 
I don't think I'm very good at discernment or I can't rely on my own discernment, I would say... I can't count on myself to rely on that. Yeah, yeah, because it's steered her wrong in the past. I would say you're not... You shouldn't be relying on your own. You should... You you know, discernment is judging based on a standard. So you have God's word there to guide you. And so I think that you're at liberty. You know, under grace, we're at liberty. You want to read a verse quick that... I don't want to just say something and then not have yes, let me verses just, to back Let me it just up. find that on the spot. Here it is. Uh, Galatians 5, verse 13. For brethren, you've been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And then there's other passages in Romans where it talks about we're not under the law anymore. We're, un- we're under grace. So I think knowing you have liberty in Christ, knowing you're not under the law anymore, you're under grace, and knowing that you have God's word as a standard by which to judge what you read and what you hear, and also, I would say you have prayer. You, pr- um, you can pray and ask God for wisdom. If you're not sure about something that you're reading or something that you're hearing and you have a question about it, you know, pray and ask the Lord for wisdom on that topic. Ask him to help you understand what the truth is so that you can be settled on that in your own mind. But I wouldn't. Well, we're talking about grace, right? So, yeah. So if grace would say, if you, grace would say that if you want to not read these things or listen to these things because you are personally uncomfortable with them, then you're at liberty to not. Right. To not read them, to not listen to them. Right. Um, if you are okay with reading them and feel comfortable with your understanding of sound doctrine and the scriptures. And there's also nothing to say that you can't or that you shouldn't or that it's wrong. Now you have to enter into that. You know, Paul does warn in Colossians about philosophy and vain deceit and, you know, the tradition of men and the rudiments of the world and all of that. But you, if you can do it in a way that is consistent with the the word of God you know I think of Paul as an example of this in Acts 17 he's on Mars Hill and he has this conversation with the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers which by the way is worldly thinking uh, world man's wisdom human viewpoint the philosophy of these so let me just read a couple verses uh, Acts 17 verse 18 for certain philosophers of the Epicureans and the Stoics encountered him, that's that's Paul, and some said, what will this babbler say? Others, some, he seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods, because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Archibus, and uh, saying, we may know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is. For thou bringest 
for thou bringest certain strange things to our ears, we would know therefore what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to hear or to tell of some new thing. So Paul's Paul is in a conversation with these worldly philosophers uh, in in the wisdom of, of this world. And then you drop down to verse 28 in the same conversation. And he says, In him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are all his offspring. So here's Paul. He had, while he, this is the same guy that warned against philosophy, but here he is. He's obviously read their philosophy. He, he obviously knows what, it says. knows what it says. He's able to converse with them intelligently about their own, excuse me, their own viewpoint. Well, and, and, to and your, yet, to, yet he's not ruined by it. To your point, Paul's background was he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He calls himself that. So he was very learned. Right. He knew a lot of things about the Jewish law and Jewish tradition and... I mean, so much so that he was a persecutor of early believers. So that's his background. But yet, as a Jew, he still knew what these Gentile philosophers were saying. So did he, at some point, he had to read that or hear it. So did he say... I'm a Jew. I can't read anything that's non-Jewish material. And here's another example. In Titus chapter 1, verse 12, he's writing to Titus and he says, One of themselves, speaking of the people on Crete, he says, One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, The Cretans are always liars, evil be slow bellies. And then he says in verse 13, This witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. So, Here's Paul saying that this element of their own thinking, their own viewpoint, was true. It was correct. It was in line with, you know... Fact. Fact. So, for me, when I think about discernment and I think about reading things that are either, you know, maybe even just flat-out secular... um, and or, you know, just cr- by Christian authors that I might not necessarily, you know, share the same theological airspace with, I don't, I can read them, I can discern, judge what they're saying based upon God's word, and if things that they're saying are true, I can acknowledge that they're true, but I don't have to accept everything they're saying as true, and I think Paul's an example of that exact thing. And I think I think too it's not I'm not sure that it's wise to discount another believer just because they you shouldn't discount everything they have to say unless they've proven themselves yes. to be completely false and like, you know, like they're teaching Jesus didn't rise from the dead or something right. like that, or he wasn't God. Well, then obviously you need to run you away. You need that. to run away and you know maybe be aware that that is something that's being taught. But like I wouldn't immerse myself in that kind of teaching or reading. So I I think the same thing then is true with the music question, right? Because <coughs> you have me. 
you know, so let, let's just, let's compare like a CD to a book. Let's, a CD usually has 12 songs on it. Let's say a book has 12 chapters. Well, I can read a book and maybe, you know, maybe there's good meat in that book in say three chapters, but the rest of that book, as I discern it and judge it based upon God's word, I'm like, no, I don't agree with this. I don't think this is right. Well, it could be the same thing with a CD. You could have music by the same artist, by the same group, and you could say, this song is doctrinally sound. This song is communicating true things about God, true things about who God is and what God's done and what he's doing today. And my heart can rejoice and in this And my heart truth. can rejoice in the truth that this song is communicating. Yeah. But the next song, the next track is maybe a mess. You know, it, it might be totally wrong. And that doesn't that doesn't cancel out though that in that one song, that one song is correct. And I I think we should judge each book, each each song based upon its own content. Content and compare the content to the scripture. Um and and understand too that people are in different we all are in different places when it comes to understanding, knowledge, you know. So, I just think you have to be really, really careful that you're not so rigid that you can't or are unwilling to accept truth from someone who is not exactly the same as you in all things that they think about the scripture. If they say something that's true and it lines up with the word of God, then that truth is not determined by the attitude of the person saying it. If what they say is true, it is true across the board. This was one of the seven truths about truth identified by, you know, Christian, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, apologists, as they try to defend the absolute truth of Christianity against truth. Truth is that which corresponds to its referent. And so if something is true, it is true absolutely for what it is. And the next sentence, the next song could maybe not be true, but that doesn't cancel out the true thing that was said in that in that case. And with music, I mean, um, I know this is a touchy subject for a lot of believers, but I could go through a hymnal of traditional songs yeah, And if I'm going to start saying, well, this songwriter who wrote this hymn and this songwriter over there that wrote that hymn, um, they stood for, you know, they believed A, B, C, and D as far as points of doctrine, so therefore, and those are wrong doctrines, so therefore I can't sing this song. Now you're not evaluating the song for the content of the song, you're evaluating it based upon something else. And somebody who's wildly wrong about six things can be absolutely right in what they say about three other things. Yeah, and that's where the discernment comes in. Right. You know, I mean, and if, I would just say to this listener, if you're not personally comfortable because of things that has happened in your past, you know, then, then, okay, then that's where you're at right now, and that's okay. But then, 
what I would say is not okay would be then to tell everyone else that they have to follow your... That they have to be in the same place you are. Right. And, 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 you know, your thinking is the only correct thinking about it. So therefore, you know, everyone else must hold to that standard that you have for yourself. That's where I think the liberty of grace comes in. But along with that liberty, there has to be discernment. And that discernment comes from the objective standard of God's word and prayer and seeking seeking wise counsel from other trusted believers, you know. And then you, at the end of the day, have to make up your mind about <clears throat> what you put into your mind, whether it's, a, you know, in music or in, you know, your reading material or a podcast or a sermon or whatever it is. Yeah, and again, I would just say, the you know, we have examples in Paul's writings and in the book of acts of that he was aware that he was aware and knew it and understood it and in in the case of titus he actually says that the thing that these cretian poets said was true what because it lined up with the truth of god and you know um what's the saying they say that you know even a blind chipmunk finds an acorn once in a while (laughs) would it be a squirrel I've always heard it as a chipmunk, but whatever. okay. <laughs> um, I guess I don't know if this is going to be helpful for the person that asked the question or not, but maybe it'll be helpful for someone else. So there is a very popular Christian music group out there that puts out several songs on Christian radio. I have gone to their youtube page and i have listened to some sermons and snippets of sermon like whole sermons and also snippets of sermons of some of their pastors and main speakers and i'm not gonna say who it is i'm just gonna say that i've done that it's not me is it no it's not you it's not you um a lot of what i heard in those sermons was I'm just going to say garbage. It, it was. When someone is calling the Holy Spirit a genie in a bottle, you know, that he's like this genie. The speaker compared him, the Holy Spirit, to the genie in Aladdin. Mm. When you're comparing God to a genie. That's a problem. In a cartoon. That's a problem. He is not your wish giver. But, (laughs) that being said, some of the music that this particular ministry puts out has true, it's true. It's, you, you listen to the lyrics and it's true. It speaks of God, God's character. There's not anything false in it. I can take the lyrics to scripture and compare, and it's truth. And when I, I hear that song, you know, you can think my about- spirit rejoices. I don't know how to think of it any other way because 
the the truth of it that I know is in scripture and also, you know, what I have, you know, learned to be true in my re- personal relationship with the Lord, this particular song speaks to that. And it's like they put how I feel about that aspect of my relationship with the Lord into words and it's it's beautiful and I love it and I love every time it comes on the radio I crank it up. So there's nothing in the song right that contradicts the scripture. Right. So I remember being a kid at youth camp <coughs> growing up and we would sing that that song. It's from one of the Psalms of David. I can't remember the number. And it's just this really beautiful chorus. But it talks about, you know, um, and I'm not going to sing it, but it talks about how... Please don't. Yes, I won't. <laughs> it talks about, you know, renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a Create, clean heart. Create me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Take yeah, not your take Holy not Spirit. Your, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Now, see, that... That to me, that's a that is in the Bible, and we'll maybe get into this next time, but that's taking a part of the Bible, written to somebody else, and now if I sing that as a member of the body of Christ that has the Holy Spirit in me, I'm sealed. Ephesians says, I'm Ephesians. The book of Ephesians says that we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. I cannot lose the Holy Spirit. So for me to sing that and ask God not to do that now, to me, now, now, now I have a contradiction there with what the Bible says. So. and But there is a reason why that's a contradiction. Yeah, and maybe that, we can. Yeah, and the, well, that's a good way to lead into what we kind of want to talk about next time is that. That was a psalm of David that was before Christ came and died on the cross and rose again. And the Holy Spirit wasn't permanently residing in anyone. Correct. If they were a believing member of the nation of Israel, they were by by faith following the law. Yes. Because that's what was required at the time. But then later on, you know after the cross and everything, Paul's telling us that we're not under the law anymore, we're under grace, and we know that when we become a believer, we get the Holy Spirit, and like you said, we're sealed with him. Until the day of redemption. Until the day of redemption, that means that, you know, he's there until we either die and go to heaven, or, you know, when the Lord comes back and we meet him in the air and are taken to heaven, one or the other, the Holy Spirit's in you as a believer until that day. So for you to sing that psalm and beg God not to take the Holy Spirit, let alone create in you a clean heart when he's already given he's you already, yeah. a new heart. That's one of the things we get as a believer in Christ. He's already made you a new creature. What? Yeah, you don't, your heart is, yeah, that's another topic too that we could go into. But it's scripture, it's it's truth. It's just not true for you because you're not back there in Israel and your instruction is not to follow the law. Your instruction is to live under grace. So all that was sort of a long-winded way of setting up maybe our next topic and then also just again to say that... Yeah, I think our next topic is going to be why 
Why is grace such a big deal? And what's the difference between living under the law and living under grace? And what does that mean? Right. And so the issue in the music, the issue in other sermons, the issue in other books and all of that is, you know, again, like I said last time, you chew on the meat. And spit out the you bones. You spit out the bones. I've learned you know, so some, much from reading books yeah. of people that I don't agree with or are on the opposite my rule, my, side. My personal rule of thumb is is I, if I pick, out a, pick up a book and I start listening to it, or excuse me, I start reading it, and I just can't, you know, there's just so much in there that I just personally, I don't agree with it. I don't think that they're using scripture correctly I don't think they're you know whatever it is then I just don't read that book you know I just put it down and I'm like I'm not going to finish this book because it's not edifying me but Mm -hmm. I can pick up another book kind of like that story I shared last time where I agreed with probably 90 95 percent of what I read and it really helped me in my walk and in my faith and in understanding who I am in Christ, but, you know, was the author in the same theological airspace as me completely? No. No. And maybe this last comment, I'm not sure if you had anything else you wanted to say, but there's also a danger in limiting yourself to just people in your theological airspace. Yeah. And thinking that you're safe and that yeah. you're okay and that things are good and you sort of stop discerning and stop um, testing everything based uh, you know, on the anvil of Scripture and you just get too comfortable because you think you're on safe ground and you stop reading critically even authors that are that you perceive are, you know, safe authors or whatever. You would technically agree with, yeah. And again, I just would say that's what we were talking about, about Acts 17.11. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica and that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Not every person, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what... theological airspace you're coming from (laughs) you know if let's just say if you're if you're someone who attends like a baptist church let's just say and you read somebody who is a baptist author well you know there's could be baptist authors out there who say some really good things that you would agree with but also maybe say some really bad things that you shouldn't listen to or follow you know, that you would have to chuck out. And, you know, the same with us coming from a grace perspective. Um, You know, there's some grace authors that we can read and agree with most of what they say, but then there's some that it's like, you know, I don't see it that way. I don't think that means that. Right. And you just don't want to fall into the trap of thinking that just because this particular author is in the in your doctrinal lane that 
everything is. You don't have to use your you discernment. That you can just sort of mentally check out and just accept everything because yeah. that's not safe. Because that's dangerous too. Right. Because you, even yeah. So whatever you read, whatever you listen to, you have to test it. Yes. Based upon the scriptures, I think is what we've spent forty yes. minutes trying to say. Hey. Yes. <laughs> so hopefully we answered the listener's question. Hopefully we encourage somebody else who might have had the same question. Yeah, encourage someone else who might have had the same question. And, you know, you, at the end of the day, you need to lose your, lose your liberty. No, don't, what? don't what? lose your liberty. That was a bad thing. <laughs> don't listen to me. <laughs> don't listen to Becky. Um, <laughs> use your liberty under grace to be discerning in what you listen to and what you read so all right well we have hit hang on my okay time clock is acting goofy we have hit 41 minutes which is our longest one yet and our we're in our bedroom hold up right now and our dog is outside the door crying so i guess it's time to be done yeah grace and peace everyone all right Thanks, guys, for listening. We'll hope to see you next time or talk to you or whatever. Bye.